Welcome to the Top Order Podcast, Thursday the 24th of June 2021. It's a big day in New Zealand cricket. So this week in cricket, we've only really got one subject, and that is the World Test Championship. We've got Raj and Lippy beaming larger than a full moon in a dark sky. We've got Baldy as the Antipodean cousin with a little bit of, uh, I guess, what's the word, Baldy? Joie de vivre. Joie de vivre. And we've got an Englishman here. Um, who really just wants to hand over to, to Raj and Lippi and let them bask in the glory that is the World Test Championship final. All coming up on This Week in Cricket, Top Order Podcast. It's the 24th of June. Guys, so I'm going to open with a pretty broad question, but your smiles say it all. Thoughts, feelings and emotions, what, sort of 12 or so hours after a fantastic day for New Zealand cricket? Oh look, the the overwhelming feeling is actually just pride, and I I was going to say I was pretty emotional watching the game, a lot more emotional than I kind of thought I would be. I, I know we've banged on about this a lot that the last year or so, the last six months, last couple of months especially, we've really just started getting excited and investing in this uh, World Test Championship. We made a joke of it at the start, but the, the the pride I felt, and I'm sitting now staring across. Baldy's just gone and put his black caps shirt on. Yeah, birthday present. I'm actually feeling a bit emotional now. Like it's, I, I, I'm just stunned at how emotional I feel and how excited I was and how proud I am of this uh, New Zealand side. Raj, yeah, I mean, it's hard to hard to build on that. I echo pretty much the same sentiment. I'm happy with how we've performed on the world stage, and we haven't crumbled. We've gone and played to the best of our ability, won the important parts of that game, and and outplayed our opposition. So really, really uh, proud of the boys. Look, uh, yeah, honestly, I just sat there, you know, I, I said to you guys yesterday, I saw you guys and said, look, I'm going to see how this first session goes. If it goes reasonably well, I'm in for the long haul. I'm going to be here all night. And I just sat there and it was one of those days where, I mean, it, you know, I'd hate to bring it up, I, but it was that World Cup final feel. It had that, exactly that for me. I sat there, pretty much every single emotion, like as soon as anything, as soon as we were, when we were bowling, when there was a wicket going on, I would stay in the same place. We hadn't got a wicket for a while. I would move positions around my lounge. I would go and sit somewhere else. When we were batting, same kind of thing. The cat came and sat on me at about 4 o'clock in the morning and we lost a wicket and I was like, get off, you're not coming back to sit on me. And, you know, cat kept coming over. It's cold in my living room. For, uh, my, uh, you know, I got locked, shut out of my room, got a small baby. Couldn't go in there to get my jumper. So I was just sitting there with a blanket around me and I'm sure the cat wanted some warmth as well, but it was, look, we have a job to do and uh, we're going to win this game. So, yeah, just amazing, amazing scenes. Uh, it was hammering, you know, hammering my leg every single run for 139 runs. It was just a, a, a truly special moment. And, and Raj, biggest moment in New Zealand cricket history for you? I think I think it has to be, really. Um, it, like I said, we, we've... We've been a team that's battled a lot in the past and when it's come to big moments we've sort of just just fallen short at, at certain points in time and uh, for the last oh, two, three, five years we've really played some incredible test cricket and that's translated, uh, well, that's translated from the white ball games but now into the red ball games. So, yeah, I'm elated with the fact that they managed to get up against a good opposition. Yeah, look, I, I did some. I, I I knew that this question was coming, and, and it's been coming around the the scene. 
a lot of chat around, you know, best team ever, what best moment in New Zealand cricket, biggest moment in New Zealand cricket. So, you know, I went back through. I know we'd won the Champions Trophy in, in 2000. I, I remember winning that, but I, you know, I was probably too young to really appreciate it. And, and I think I didn't even have Sky at the time. And I was only, you know, 16, I think. So didn't really, it was late at night, didn't really get to watch it properly. In 2000, we also, the, we shouldn't forget that the women won the, the World Cup. Uh, in 2000 as well, which was a really special moment for for New Zealand. But you know, I, I, this uh, to me it, it has to be just like Raj said. You know, this is this is a the, the pinnacle of cricket. We always talk about Test cricket being the pinnacle of cricket. I, I, you know, I I know you were going to ask. You know how how the how it compares to to a World Cup final, and I, I just didn't I didn't think it would. Um, I really thought that it would not compare to an ODI World Cup final, but it, it just feels like that. It does feel, it legitimately feels like we are world champions today and that I can say that for the next two years and be really proud. Yeah, so I guess if, we, you know, we go back and um, we, there's a, a note here in the, the planning document, how far the team have come since that um, Cape Town capitulation, which, you know, is seven years or eight years or so ago. Ross Taylor made a really interesting point in the press conference or some, well, certainly one of the interviews he did after. He got asked that question, you know, how far you've come since then? And he said, well, how far have we come since a year ago? Um, you know, that, that World Cup final and, the you know, the, the feeling of, um, you know, probably distraughtness that you would have felt then. Does it really compare to that? I know you, you can't compare with winning it on that day, but in terms of your relation, how... How did that compare to the disappointment of that 2019 World Cup final? Yes, I've, I've been thinking about this as well. Uh, it's a hard one because the te- one day cricket and that uh, World Cup has a little bit of an aura to it. It's got that history. This is brand new. Was it more important than winning a single test or a test series? Yes. Um, but for me, I think that that World Cup was special or more would have been more special. Not to take away anything from this, because like you said, this is the pinnacle of the game. This is not playing cricket for 20 overs and winning or 50 overs, 100 overs and winning. They played sustained cricket for two years and then for this match over the whole six days that they managed to get out there. Uh, I think it is really special from that, that point of view. And yeah, I'll just jump in quickly and say that, yeah, I think I, I tend to agree with Raj there that I think that that World Cup, probably because it's been going on for so long, I, I do think, you know, it, it would have felt more special than this does probably. Um, but I find it hard to think of how like the actual moment would have felt any more special because I think this is also a build up of. You know, when you look back at New Zealand's history with cricket, it's not very glittering. You know, like I've, I've mentioned recently about all the players in that, that team, like they're actually like Ross Taylor and Kane, Kane Williamson in that game went past Stephen Fleming. He's now the second leading run scorer of all time in Test cricket. Ross Taylor is now number one, or he's been number one for a while. Williamson, uh, Watling and Latham are nine and ten. Like this is like New Zealand's best team ever. It's our best players ever. It's... It, you know these are uh, incredible moments, and we just haven't had that many moments of pure joy to celebrate and kind of show that we are right up there. and And I think what makes me most proud is that it's like what you said, Raj, that we've played we've played sustained good cricket for a number of years now. And you know we're going to talk. We always reference that Australia tour, but we've shown that we are one of the best sides in the world for a long period of time and we're actually starting to get the recognition for that and I you know it's not really in the next world test championship cycle unfortunately I don't think we're going to get the the tests and the the stuff that we deserve but I hope in future now that this will show that we can we can be the marquee tour and we can be 
five test tours and, and all that stuff and, and actually prove that we, you know, we, we've built an amazing test side and I feel really, really proud. Baldy, I'm, I'm, before we talk about moments in the game and the individuals that um, will no doubt come on to, Jameson and Coley and Williamson and Ross Taylor and Neil Wagner and all of these guys, you're, you're standing there and we joked about it in your New Zealand um, shirt. Um, you know, I guess a proud adopted Kiwi, Kiwi wife and, and, and kids. How, how are you feeling about all of this? What was your emotion this morning? Well, I was incredibly proud for, for New Zealand because it was such a quintessentially New Zealand performance in that final. They hung in, they did all of the basics right, they gave themselves a chance, and it wasn't one superstar as good as a, you know two or three players were. It hasn't just been one guy the whole time for, for New Zealand, and I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it. But that that team, that, that group of individuals that have come together over a long period of time have shown that even against... A team of champions, they are the quintessential champion team. You know, they, they are far, far greater than the sum of their parts when they play cricket like that. And they play cricket in such a wonderful spirit. They, 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 don't, um, they don't sledge the opposition. Yes, they're aggressive and Neil Wagner's in your face, but it's not, it's not negative cricket. They're always looking to play as positively as they can and to try and win test matches. And for them to come along and beat an Indian side that I don't think many people outside of this room and outside of this country would have given New Zealand much of a chance of winning that test match um, is just a fantastic, fantastic performance. And it should live long in the memory of New Zealand cricket fans because it is something very, very special. Awesome. Well, guys, we, we will be back um, after a switch to talk about some of the moments of the match, individual performances. And um, apologies to listeners from around the world, but it's, it's going to be New Zealand-centric. We're not going to talk... Um, too much about anything else other than a stunning, stunning Black Caps victory. Coming back after the swish. So, Lippy, you painted the picture for us sitting in your lounge room, blanket around the shoulders, uh, hopefully a, a drop of spates or something close by as well, or maybe it was a lift plus to try and keep you um, awake. But what was going through your mind when um, Tim Sadie shelled what was a fairly straightforward chance off Rishabh Pant early in his, uh, early in his innings? Jeez, you mentioned uh, being being awake and trying to stay awake and stuff. I was saying to Raj on the way up here, actually, like I actually just got more and more awake. I think I think at nine thirty when the game started, I felt quite tired, and then I don't know, like by six o'clock in the morning, I was just absolutely pumped. And, and you know, no no lift plus required. Actually, it just sat in the the fridge. I prepared that earlier, but uh, didn't didn't even need it. I was just so pumped. But I mean, yeah, you mentioned that catch. Jeez, I think the worst moment. Well, the worst kind of feeling as a sports fan is what if, like what if that, if, if he'd just taken that or something where could, you know, what would have happened or, you know, thinking that we kind of deserved to be in a better position than we were going to be. And then, yeah, when, when Punt just started getting going, I just, I, just, I couldn't shake it in my head. Like I can't stop thinking about this catch and I, I hope that tomorrow morning I'm not going to be thinking about this and thinking about it for, for the next weeks on end. You mentioned Jadeja in the preview that you thought he might be able to do something terrible to the New Zealanders and, and put in a match-winning performance on, on at some stage in the game. When he and Pant were sort of starting to go and, and finding the gaps regularly and starting to get on top of the New Zealanders, did you feel like the match was slipping away at that point, boys, or did you feel quite comfortable that the pace bowlers could get you back into the game? It's an interesting one because it's a different tact that they took those two batsmen and it was right from when they came in so Dadeja is probably the guy who sort of initiated it even when Pant was dropped that was him tentatively pushing at the ball mm. 
they've decided to switch it up and, and, and go after it. And that is how games have changed. All we have to look back to is the Indian tour of Australia, 100%. where Pant did the exact same thing. So yes, I did feel like this this could get out of hand here, and we'd had that whole talk about how. New Zealand have been taking 91% of their, their slip catches and then bang, down, down they go. Um, so yes, to answer your question, I was a bit worried about that. But. Yeah, it, it was absolutely that feeling. But I mean, let's let's do it now. I know we're going to mainly focus on New Zealand, but that punt innings, honestly, like the commentators were talking about it, like he was an absolute genius and the greatest innings, they, they kept saying, oh, what a stroke maker, what an amazing innings. I thought that was the most reckless and ridiculous innings that I have seen in a long, long time in a big game like this because I, uh, he Punt and Jadeja were in. They like yes, they maybe he took those risks up front, but when they came back from la- after lunch and when they were going, all they had to do was bat for one hour. And honestly, New Zealand if they batted semi positively. They, he was running down the wicket playing ridiculous shots and it cost him in the end. And it and I, I think that's what cost them the victory. If he could have just batted for another hour, we, we they would have had too many runs that, for us to chase. And, and his strike rate was only 46 when he finished. It's not like he came out and smashed it all around the park for you know 60 off 40 balls. He, he, he was out there for a while. And yeah, as you say, I think an additional hour's application, it's a potentially a different game of cricket, isn't it? Yeah, it was, you're 100% right, it was a bit of a reckless innings from from Pant, but I'll come at it from the other angle. That was how he summed it up at the time. He goes, if I'm sitting here pushing at the ball like Coley's just done, like um, Pajara's just done, I've seen what's happened to them. If I do the same thing, I've just been dropped. I can't do the same thing. I need to start getting them off their lines and lengths because New Zealand bowled incredibly well. Yeah. I need to start doing something different. And he did something different and... It could have worked. Had he scored 20, 30 more runs, the game's a, game could be very different to where, where it ended up. So, so I, will, I will give him a little, bit of, a little bit of a pass for that because that's how he plays and that's how he, people know he will play. And I think, I think the key for, for Punt there was he said in the lead-up that that's, that's how he was going to play. He wasn't going to curb his natural style. And I think for guys that are that young, I mean, we forget that he's quite a young cricketer, right? Mm. So for a guy that's that young, you kind of do have to do what comes naturally to you to a certain extent. You might have to rein it in 5 or 10% or whatever, but, you know, generally speaking, if he wants to attack and that's how he feels confident and comfortable playing, then, you know, you've got to live and die by the sword to a certain extent. And and he did. And, and India did as a, as a result. I think you, know, you have to give him credit for trying, but ultimately he wasn't successful. So you also have to judge him on that as well, I think, from a results point of view. Let, let's talk a little bit about Kyle Jamieson. A couple of stats for you boys. So um, one of them I'll sort of slightly make up, but um, <laughs> something along the lines of for the first eight test matches of his career, he's got the most successful record of any seamer in terms of average dating back to sometime in the 1800s. Um, and the second one is the first seamer to get Coley out twice in a test match since 2014. Wow. So, um, again, you know, stats are, are like bikinis, don't they? It's what they reveal that's often more uh, um, than what they conceal. But um, thoughts on Kyle Jameson? Oh, he, uh, I, I keep kind of waiting for him to, not to fail, but to, to look human at the test level. Because, but, but actually it's the reverse that's been so impressive that actually every time he comes, every single game, it feels like he's added something or he's he's getting even better at, at the crease. And, uh, you know, he was he was streets ahead in that 
um, in that game of of our best bowlers, and and you know that's saying a lot because we bowled really, you know, in the, for the most part, I think we bowled really well, but he was just he was unplayable at times and and it was just consistency and he was able to sum up the conditions really well when he needed to bowl fuller he bowled a bit fuller when he needed to bowl shorter he bowled shorter he can swing it both ways he can seem it off the pitch like i mean jared kimber wrote a really good article about him and kind of comparing him to you know lots of different taller bowlers and and what trying to talk about what's special with him and it's it's absolutely stunning because he just does have every single tool in the toolbox and it's it's amazing this is going to sound like a really ridiculous comparison, but you know who he reminds me of? He reminds me of Usain Bolt. Remember when Usain Bolt first came? When he first came along, like everyone was like, "No, no, that that like he's too long. You know, you need to be a certain style to be a you know." And he just he, look, he was different, right? He was physically different, but once he got going, you're like, "Oh, this is the this is the blueprint now." In order to run hundred meters, you have to look like this guy and run like this guy. I feel like there's a hint of that in Kyle Jamison. If he gets going for two or three years. He might be the blueprint that you need now to to succeed as a as a fast bowler because that that could be who teams start going looking for. Uh, you know, NBA has heaps of examples of of physical unicorns that come along and change the way that the game is played. And I think he has a little bit about that about him. Geez, I feel like you've been storing that one up for a while. Let me ask you a question: who, Do you think that Jameson's a better bowler than Usain Bolt, or Bolt's a better runner <laughs> than Kyle Jameson? I think that. Having seen Usain Bolt play football uh, for the Central Coast Mariners, I feel like <laughs> Kyle Jamison is a much better bowler than Usain Bolt is, but I feel like that Usain Bolt is a f- slightly better runner than Kyle. Just slightly. Just slightly. Okay. Yeah. Just All slightly. Right. Just a little we'll bit. give the points decision to Kyle. Points decision to Kyle. Well, I, I don't know if Kyle can run a bend, though. I've, he's in a straight line. He's all right. But, but Bolt could really run a bend, so uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, Lippy, you took the words out of my mouth. It's that toolbox, the way he can swing the ball both ways. He can bowl that length. If he needs to bowl with bounce, he can. Uh, he's just got he's just got the whole package. That And we talked about it a bit earlier in the, the review of the New Zealand Summer. If he can pick up 5Ks or something along the nice. way, He'll just have an incredible box of tools that can serve him anywhere in the world. So, and he, he's also you know averaging fifty with the bat, which isn't bad. So, oh, it, it's been stunning. And and I was thinking about this New Zealand team and kind of you know uh, we we mentioned it off air about how all the um, all every time they get they got asked about you know what's been the, the catalyst to to all the success and stuff they always mention the consistency of selection and and how there's been a really strong core group of players the Southies the Bolts the Wagners. Uh, Taylor, Watling, Williamson, Latham, Nichols, th- those eight really have been there the, the whole time and they're all, they've been in there for years and years. But what's been incredible is that that, that core of eight, like of, of almost some of our best players ever in Test cricket, and this last 12 months we've unearthed Jameson and Conway who have almost just shot to the top of those lists it's actually staggering that we've just added two players of such quality to that lineup. Well, you talk about shot to the top. What a decision from Kane Williamson this morning in that game to to go out with Saudi and Jameson first up, Trent Bolt standing at you know fine leg. That that's a massive call. And I think when you look at Coley's dismissal in isolation, it looked as if he was you know playing a little bit away from his body, having a little bit of a spa. But the spell immediately before had put him under so much pressure because he'd, you know, got drawn him forward. You know, he'd beat him on the outside edge a couple of times, one that had nipped away, one that had just kept on going down the hill. Set him up so, so well. But um, 
a thought for Kane because there was also that catch um, shammy late in the game where we got Tom Latham at you know an old-fashioned sort of fly slip sort of position as well. So uh, talk about Kane's captaincy in that final day. Oh, you you have to give him a huge credit. I mean, um, the, there's Kane's an interesting one because I, I I think as a as a leader he's been he's been absolutely incredible for New Zealand, and I don't think there's any any doubt about that at all. Like it seems like his I think we talked about it before, haven't we? That McCullum's like when McCullum was the captain, the the team sort of took on his persona a little bit, and and we became this um, I kind of an aggressive side. It's certainly in the limited overs game, we would we would really attack and we would just go for it, and and we took on that. And it, it's sort of been a very smooth transition to Kane, who is a much different person than McCullum, and we have taken on his mantle of you guys mentioned it before that we always find a way, like we we package things together we might it might not be the prettiest at times Neil Wagner just bowling bounces or, or you know guys chipping in the lower order getting 30 40 you know that 80 runs that they got that lower order was would absolutely crucial like we always find a way to just put our noses in front and and yeah Kane's been in crucial to that I mean on on the actual decision making things there's there's a few bits and pieces that I've disagreed with uh through over the time I certainly in that first innings I would not have bowled uh Colin de Gronholm I, I really was very anti that we all watched that the first couple of sessions together and yeah, I was, Raj, do you want to comment on the uh <laughs> on the use of Neil Wagner early on day one Look, I think it could have been better. Yeah. I think I think he could have come in a bit earlier. You earlier, saw yep. when he came in, he really did affect change. No, he, he came in and he, he made a huge difference. I thought he could have come in earlier. Uh, and he, he also broke that partnership um, mm. straight after lunch with uh, yeah, Jadeja. Jadeja so. and, and, that, and that segues nicely to what you said before, Binksy, in that, that Jameson had a huge, a real strong plan. Wagner had a, a, an amazing plan to, to Jadeja and the way, I mean, they, they pinpointed it on the... And the commentary, I think he bowled about, I think they said he bowled 40 short balls or something in a row and just, just peppered, peppered him and then just brought him forward and nicked him, uh, and slightly more forward and, and nicked it off. And uh, that's been the, the thing that's been, that's really stood out to me over the last maybe 12 months or something. I, I just can't remember seeing the New Zealand bowlers being so consistent with their plans. South, you always see it with Southy now that he'll he'll really work someone out and he'll bowl four balls, four balls, and then he'll bowl the you know the cross seamer or, or whatever the wobble seam or you know it's just amazing that they seem to be able to have these plans and, and execute them so well. And and that was what was so unusual about day one or day two, we should say, first day of play. We went we go right back to the start of the game. New Zealand win the toss, choose to bowl on a surface that looks like it's going to assist the seamers. And Southie was just 5% off in that first session, and, and he allowed Sharma and, and Shubman Gill to get away. And, and that was that was really out of character for, for Southie. And to a lesser extent, Bolt didn't quite get it right as, as often. Um, but they were able to pull it back, and that's what's been so fantastic about this New Zealand side, that despite the fact that they weren't perfect in that first session, they were able to pick up a couple of wickets, and they went through, and it was 80 for three, and then all of a sudden it was 146 for three, or whatever it was, and then bang, all out, 220 or 217 or whatever it was, and New Zealand have a first innings lead. So their ability to change up their plans but but stick to it, it just fantastic. And what did you think of the Neil Wagner versus the, the two nuggety left-handers in, in Sri Lanka? There was a, Sorry, in India. There was, a, there was a, a few short balls, a little bit of aggression, nothing across the line. What did you make of it? Oh, I loved it. It was a great um, – and you sort of felt at that moment that 
that hour after, I guess that's why I went at punt before, because I thought uh, that hour after lunch, you know, the game was really evenly poised. I mean, we'd, we'd fought, we'd done so well in the morning. We'd taken the, the lead in the game, I think, by chipping those guys out, Jameson getting those two wickets and two overs. That catch went down, and and I don't think their heads dropped out there, but they dropped it in my couch. You know, I was sitting there, and I thought, oh, no, like – We've, you know, and it often happens in a game. You drop a catch, and suddenly you you lose that momentum. And India had wrestled it back, and by lunchtime it was even. And that first hour, when they came back, whoever won won that hour was going to not necessarily win the game, but India could have put us out of that game. And and Wagner bowled. I thought he bowled great because Punt was really coming at him, and he didn't. He, I, he strikes me as the kind of person and that can sometimes let that get to his head. He can go, I'm just going to bowl bounces, I'm going to bowl bounces. And and it was not the kind of game where he could get hit. Like Often when Wagner bowls, he can go for 40 runs and pick us up two wickets, and that's that's really great. But it wasn't the kind of game where he he couldn't have given away 40 runs there and and us still be in contention. And, yeah, I, I, you know, I thought he was tremendous. And I guess the reason I, I brought that up is I, if you remember back to the Australian tour, he was doing a similar thing, and, and it really – the Aussies loved him for it, but he was going up and fist pumping and and fist sorry, what do you call him? Fist punching the Australian Australian batsman and stuff like after that, and I, and I hated that. There was none of that in this game. I liked it. He was aggressive, and he he really he really every every team needs that enforcer, and he really was it for us in this test match. Yeah, hundred percent. Let's go back to the New Zealand first innings. Important runs, top of the order from. Devon Conway, what uh, first international uh, summer in the Northern Hemisphere he's had. Kane as well, obviously, um, a very, very gritty 49. But the lower order runs from Jameson and Southie, um, easy in hindsight, but pretty bloody crucial when you kind of look at this. How do we sort of assess that first innings performance from New Zealand? So for me, I think that that, that is a massive part uh, of winning this test match goes down to, I'm going to give De Grandholm some credit there as well. 13, he got De Grandholm, Southie and Jameson. They saw the team through about 100 runs, 80 runs, something yeah, like that. About 80 runs, yeah. About 80 runs. So that, that was crucial to get them through and into the lead there. So I think that was a massive part to go along with Kane. And we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about how he's batting has gone. You had a great stat earlier, Binksy, before the show, which you can share. But just before you get to that, that Saudi innings, I, I, I've given him a lot of stick over the years for just reckless batting, and, and I think a lot of people have. I, you know, he, he's a better batter than I think he's given himself credit for maybe at times and, and just given his wicket away. But I, I think I think that might have been his most important ever innings for New Zealand. I mean, well, you know, probably that's probably a, a ridiculously obvious thing to say, at, you know, now that we've just won a, a world title. But you know, what a crucial innings it was and how important that was in the, in the context of that game. We move on, I guess. We talked a little bit about the, the bowling performance, but when we come into that second um, innings, Henry Nichols' catch, I wouldn't have wanted to be under that. What about you, boys? Jeez, that, that was amazing. That, you know, as much as you could see, I, he was obviously someone in the crowd giving him a bit of stick or waving something in his face. He, ho- ho- hopefully it wasn't DJ from the Edges and Sledges podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, jeez. Uh, if you uh, if like if you watch him, as soon as he takes the catch, he points at the crowd, and, and I'm sure it was Indian supporters or something over there. Which is, it's not really something that Henry Nichols. That's sort of a, a Virat Kohli move, and and I don't I don't mean that in a negative sense to Virat Kohli because 
I actually, you know, if he's not playing New Zealand, I, I love that, you know, emotion that you see from Coley. But, yeah, something obviously got, got into Nichols then. And, and I, I guess just their moment because, you know, like we were talking about the, before, punt 20 more runs and, and that would have really been really difficult for New Zealand. And what a, what a great catch. And I think it's down to every single player in that team found a way, they find a way to contribute. And I think that's... That's what's made us so proud the whole time. There's a direct comparison there. That that was a really high pressure catch. That goes. You can compare that very closely with Ross Taylor when he was dropped mm. in that in that last innings with about when the New Zealand were on about 80 runs. Two very high pressure situations where New Zealand came out on top and India probably dropped the ball on that one. But mm. uh, great catch by Henry Nichols. Reminded me of a young me. <laughs> So, so we, before we come on to a, a fantastic partnership of 96 that sealed. Uh, the game. A word for BJ Watling. Um, sort of limped out with a dislocated finger. Blundell took the gloves, I think, um, for the last part of that Indian innings. But um, yeah, look, I guess my two cents as a, a former wicketkeeper batsman, the, the guy's just a legend. He, he reminds me so much of uh, Matt Pryor, the way he sort of, you know, invented himself as that absolutely solid keeper that kind of clearly had to work really, really hard on his keeping. Um, but I think. When you contrast the the way that James Bracey kept in England, um, albeit his first couple of Test matches, and the just self assuredness that Watling shows um, behind the stumps, he doesn't look like he's going to drop one. And then um, we talked in the preview really how important some of the runs that he scored were. But he leaves a a pretty big hole as New Zealand look to rebuild that side for the next cycle of this World Test Championship. Yeah, I guess in my um, in my notes here, when I talk about the Watling injury, I've I've got some some words here that I usually only reserve for Neil Wagner, and it's just what a man for uh, BJ Watling. It was incredible to see him fight through that injury. It, it really characterizes or personifies his career, does it not? Mm. Um, I, I don't know about about you, Binksy. I, I was actually a terrible keeper, so I got I got a lot of balls on the end of the finger um, on the field as well, and. Um, <laughs> And um, uh, just 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 the, the the thought of a ball coming to me that's been nicked, making sure I've caught it. You didn't see anything like that with him. He wanted to be out there for that last test of his, and and what a what a career. Yeah, I, you know, a correction, live correction. Uh, he didn't go off. He stayed on the the whole time. He it, there was a point there where it looked like Blunder was. Go- they looked like after tea that they were both going to come out. Yeah. Blunder was was ready to go, and Watling must have said, "Look, mate, I, I'm staying on." And all right, I saw Blunder with the gloves yeah, on. He yeah, he was on yeah, the field, okay. and yep. Watling ran down and waved him off. He waved him off. It was it was yeah, it absolutely. You know, it, one of those moments that you just go, "Look, this is this is awesome, BJ." And and I was going to throw it to you. I mean, you've already kind of touched on it, but I actually think that. His keeping in that test was absolutely world class. Like I, I, I was, you know, I don't often really notice a keeper. It's not something that I pay too much attention to. But there was some of those deliveries, you know, that there was swinging late after, the, and he was, like, he wasn't just palming them down. He was getting them right in the middle of his gloves. It was a very, very impressive performance. Yeah, to, to go slightly technical on you for for a second or two, the, the, what he does so well and what he's done so well in England compared to some of the guys that have struggled. Andy Flower um, had an absolute shocker. I remember Tatinda Tabu um, had an absolute shocker for Zimbabwe. Um, I've even seen some Aussie keepers kind of struggle a little bit and, and, and that's not a criticism, but they're used to moving so much to take the ball on the inside hip in the Southern Hemisphere because that's what happens when you've got those bouncier wickets. The way Watling set himself, you look how still he is 
and he just gets a really, really big target with his gloves and he just watches the ball all the way into the gloves. And, and I, I think that that was one of the things I highlighted with Bracey last week for England. He didn't watch the ball all the way into the gloves and that's why, you know, he was catching it on the end of the fingers, um, you, know, uh, you know, a plight of Raj's in, in the past um, <laughs> and, you know, not getting the ball right in the, right in the middle of the hands. But look, I look at him now and I, I just put him up there as when you look at how good a practitioner he is, the, probably the only thing you'd say is not had the opportunity to keep to a really quality spinner for a prolonged period of time. So, we'll, you know, we, we won't be able to say he was amazing up to the stumps, but um, that, that's not, you know, his fault that he didn't necessarily have that opportunity. But yeah, fantastic career. And, and I think the, the point that um, they kept raising afterwards and that they've always raised it, the, the Black Caps players, when they've ever they've talked about him and in this series and, and, you know, how he was bowing out is how much they going to miss him in the dressing room which yeah. is I think that's that's the real credit of what he's brought to this team and, and how much that that hole is going to be left because I, I actually think you know Blundell's got the potential to come in and be you know you know, equally what Watling has given us for the last few years, I think Watling uh, Blundell has the potential as to, a cricketer, as a, that, as a yeah, cricketer, dressing to, room pieces to, yeah. to come on and do it. But yeah, I mean, they're going to miss him, him tremendously, just as a as a person and as a steadying influence uh, in the dressing room. And, and let's come into the final um, rights of the game before we go and talk a little bit about India's moments in the match. Kane Williamson and, and Ross Taylor uh, seeing things home. Could you have wanted two karma heads out there? Oh look, I, I I know I'm dominating this podcast, but I have a, I was just I'm just still fizzed up. A, a you're, you're allowed to. We'll, we'll one day Australia will win something, and we'll let Baldy have a chat. <laughs> oh, brilliant, brilliant. But uh, you know, I I think uh, you know at the start of the start of the series, start of the summer, we were um or this this English summer, we were we were a bit worried about Taylor, and I, and I think you know even when he came in, I, I was. It, he still gives you a, little, a few nerves when he when he's batting, but but once he got in and, and actually it's the same thing. He played a, a straight drive and he hit it down to to mid on, and you went actually his head's his head's going well here, and and you could just see that both of those two guys were, were just clued in, and that I, I it's I'm it was such a great moment. I, I said to Raj on the way up, Kane just Kane's face after that game. And there's some amazing photos going around of Kane kind of hugging Ross Taylor at the end. And just his, the, his face, just I've never seen so much emotion. And, you know, he looks like he's got tears in his eyes and his face is sort of puffed up. And it just seemed like it was just perfect for those guys to be out there. They've been such amazing contributors for, for New Zealand. And yeah, I just couldn't be couldn't be prouder of what they did as a, as a partnership because I think actually kind of... If some if someone else had come in, it would have been really tough. And there were a few tough moments that I think we'll get to when we talk about India. That the the game could have got a lot more nervous, even though you know it, it was quite nervy at times as watching. Yeah, just just back to the the Taylor and, and Williamson thing. There's just moments like that. It doesn't matter how many runs you've scored, what your average is. You're standing in the game. You have to stand up in that moment. And and I had full faith when I. So unfortunately, I didn't get to see a lot of that chase. But when I saw that in the morning, I was like, of course they did. Mm. You know what I mean? I I felt like of course they went there and did, and stood up at that time to get us across the line. Yeah, just like you, Raj. I woke up this morning and checked the score and and went, oh my god, I can't believe they've won. But the first thing I went to is what did Ross get? Because um, I really, really wanted him to be there at the end. If they were going to chase down a target, I really wanted Ross Taylor to, to make runs and to be there at the end. And it was so fitting for me for Ross Taylor 
having endured a bit of a struggle over the last 12 months or so, to dig in when his team really needed him to stand up and he got 47 not out off 100 balls. So he withstood the barrage from India and just nudged the ball around the park. And, you know, it wouldn't be test cricket without a potential Ross Taylor run out. And he had his moments (laughs) with Kane towards the end. But... I was just so pleased that Ross was there at the end and that he was able to go and get those runs for New Zealand. And if he is going to retire, then he can retire on a on an absolute high. I don't think there's anything better for him than to go out like that if he does. But if he continues, then he'll have an absolute moment to treasure. Yeah, what, what do we make of that? Because the, the last hour of that commentary, it seemed like the commentators were kind of talking him into retiring, which, which you know, I'm pretty sure that the, you know, the, the contracts have just come out. Ross Taylor's accepted his for, for the upcoming year. BJ Watling declined his, and that's why he has retired and announced his retirement beforehand. Mm. Ross Taylor's come out previously and said, I'm really keen to go through the 2023 World Cup. I, I, you know, I, yeah, I don't know if there's some inside knowledge there from the commentators or what, but I, I, I personally would be very surprised if, it, if he called it a day now. So, But, yeah, what do you guys think? I don't think he looks like a man who wants to retire. Um, I think that uh, had this tour gone a bit different, it might have... He might not have had the choice, but I think that he has the choice now. Mm. He is among our top six batsmen in the country still, yeah. um, easily. And um, his goal, as you said, is to play white ball cricket, the longer form, 50-over game. Uh, and he wants to get through to that World Cup, and he thinks he can. Why not? Yeah, I think he's probably the only you know question mark in that side in terms of the, you know real long longevity. Um, you know, all the other guys you, you would think are there for, you know, another two or three years. I, I guess it depends, you know, he's got a long flight home. Um, he might, you know, he might feel as if, do you know what, that's a really good time to bow, bow out, concentrate on the white ball, maybe go make a bit of franchise cash. Um, but yeah, I, I think I agree with you. And the thing that really sort of solidified it for me, he took a couple of really good catches in this game as well. Mm-hmm. And, I, I, you know, I, I don't think you can underestimate, particularly with that, catching percentage rise which has come down a little bit I think from the, the, the <laughs> 9 out of 10 with that drop from Saudi but um, <laughs> joking aside um, that, that's such an important part of of a, of a test side isn't it is having that settled cordon um, you know I think I look at my own countrymen you know we, we've lost Strauss and Cook out of that um, cordon Graham Swan out of that cordon we never really replaced those guys and now it looks like we, you know we've got some guys with Teflon symbols at times so look to have yeah to have that kind of quality batting at four um, and the axis of him and Kane Williamson, and then that catching ability. Um, yeah, I, I hope he you know sticks around because I think it would be good for yeah good for whoever comes in and bats at six as well, and um, to just kind of provide that little bit of ballast. And and look, uh, we we should probably take another break shortly and, and talk about India after that. But uh, before we do that, Binksy, I know you've got some some good Kane Williamson stats for us. I, I think you've got to give them to us, and then. Let's just have a few moments of talking about that, that Kane Williamson's performance with the bat, particularly after Binksy. I'm actually interested to hear what you guys thought of that first innings performance because I, I was messaging back and forth with a friend at at the time while we were collapsing, and and he certainly thought that William that it wasn't a great innings from Williamson, and and kind of dug us into a bit of a hole. But you know, I've seen a lot of other things basically saying like what an amazing innings it was, and how it it was such a challenging time to bat, and basically that he you know what he did allowed those other lower order players to kind of build on and and play a bit more aggressively and and build that lead. So I'm I'm keen to hear what you guys think about that. Yeah, well, look, the stats um, to, to throw at you. So um, first and foremost, 
International Cricket 2021 Beard of the Year goes to Kane Williamson. <laughs> yep. um, that's an unofficial. That's a lay down Mazir. Oh, yeah, that's close. an unofficial stat. But um, yeah, the, the stat I, I'd, I'd seen was that in his last 50 Test matches, he averages over 60. Which uh, we were joking about before we came on uh, on, on air. It's like even better than Adam Voges Baldy, which you know <laughs> far better. Yeah, and uh, over a longer period of time. Yeah. Um, but look, yeah, to answer your comment on that first innings, I, I think you've just actually got to look at the bloody scorecard um, and, you know, and where you were at when he came into, you know, came into bat, a, a relatively strong, uh, you know, relatively strong position, uh, lay them um, out uh, 70 for one, came in, put together that partnership initially with with Conway. And then, it you know, it fell to pieces a little bit in that middle order. So, you know, every run at that point, when you actually think about it, Raj made the point, if Pant had gone and got 20 more, slightly different set of, you know, circumstances. New Zealand scored 20 less in that first innings, 30 less in that uh, first innings as a result of Kane not, uh, you know, providing that sort of um, middle-order ballast. Then, yeah, different yeah, different story. So, I, look, I think regardless of the strike rate and whether it um, was a little bit attritional, I, I think you've got to take a lot of things into um, into consideration, the pitch, the conditions, the occasion, Um and yeah, look at the look at the numbers. The bloke's got hundred runs across two innings for once out. I'd take an average of a hundred in the test match, wouldn't you guys? Yeah, that's not bad. Um, with with that, with that point being made around the strike rates and, and all that thing, I guess the best way for me to sort of explain it is if we look at NBA, for example, we're in there the last minute, last thirty seconds. You just want your best players out there, right? That was Kane Williamson for us. At that time, we needed our best player out there. How he wanted to play, I trust him to make the decision that what he's going to do is best for the team and best best for him in that situation. So I don't have any problems with the way he batted. I think he did a great job in, in guiding us through. Uh, and then especially again in, in the second innings. Uh, so, yeah, good job. Awesome, guys. We, we've talked a lot about uh, New Zealand and rightly so. We will come back after the swish and talk a little bit about um, the Indian uh, perspective. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the pod. Well, it wouldn't be uh, a cricketing podcast um, without giving credit to the opposition after a crushing victory. So credit to India, an incredible test side um, over this little period um, of time. But look, um, all joking aside, they have been a fantastic uh, test outfit. Um, what do we want to talk about here? I mean, the, the monkey, or elephant in the room, monkey on the back, I don't know, definitely elephant in the room, rather the monkey on the back, is 100% the non-selection of potentially Siraj and going in with two spinners. Jadeja really not offering a massive um, amount in this game. Did in India get that right? Um, you know, do we dwell on it too much? What are our thoughts about um, India's selection first and foremost for this game? Uh, hindsight is a wonderful thing. I think that you would go now with the extra seamer on that wicket. But I think coming into this series, you just knew who was going to be in the team. You knew that they had to have Jadeja there. And on any other day, he could have turned up and won the game for them. You know, he could have scored 70 or 50 balls in that in that third innings. So, yeah, I, I don't think, I don't have any problems with India's selection, which they made before the test match. Uh However, it was interesting. We did we were together on that first day or second second day of or first day of play, second day of the test match, and we said one team's got it right and one team's got it horribly wrong with the um with the lineups that they've chosen. So, yeah, look, and uh, yeah, I completely agree. I don't I don't think you can go back now and say that they got it wrong because actually we saw how 
how weak that Indian batting lineup was at, from you know 19, 19 11 as well, and it, and that actually cost them. We talked about how New Zealand's lower order put on runs. The Indian lower order just fell like deck of cards, and and you know if you add another another pretty weak batsman in there in Siraj, and and you d- the same thing kind of happens. You take Jadeja out, he actually scored you know a few like they're, they're low scores, but they're they're sort of he kept them going for a little bit. So I, I think it can work both ways. And yeah, I, I, I would echo your comments around India and, and actually giving them credit. Like I, I don't think I realized until I talked to those guys from edges and sledges and, and gully cricket, I, I hadn't realized that, that India has been the number one test side pretty much on or on and off for the last five years. And it's, it's actually amazing when you go back and look at, you know, the dominant test sides of errors and things. I mean, they're not quite in the realms of, you know the great West Indian sides and and the you know now I'm looking at ball there that that Australian side that did uh, perform very well in Test cricket, but you know that when was that? Oh, so, sometime I can't even remember really when when that's happened. But um, Victor that, Trumper and yeah, yeah, in, yeah in the annals of history somewhere there are some Australian good Australian Test sides, <laughs> but you know I, I, India this this side it really does have the potential to be one of the best sides for a long time and we talked about the balance of their side and, and just how they've got it in a number of different areas so yeah I mean ma- massive credit to them and I think that's what makes the win so special for New Zealand that we were playing a, a pretty awesome test side What's the defining moment in terms of India's loss in this test match? Did we pinpoint a particular innings or period of play? Where, where did they actually sort of lose the test match do you think Baldo? I expected more of Virat Kohli on the big stage. I know it's been spoken about a lot in terms of his um, century drought. You know, it goes back about 18 months now or whatever it is. Uh, but you, you look to your best players, as Raj said, on the biggest occasion, on the biggest stage, you know, you're looking for that that massive performance from your talisman, from your leader, and they didn't quite get that from, from Virat Kohli. And I think that probably is the difference between the two sides. You know, Kohli had, what, 30 or 40 runs in the match? Total, if that, Kane had 100 and New Zealand end up winning by about that margin, roughly. So I think that's probably the letdown for India. I thought their openers were excellent. They got them off to a great start on day one that looked like it was going to be difficult for batting, but they just didn't quite get enough from from their talisman. Yeah, and it's one of those things which is now... We're in an interesting period of, of, of cricket because the Indians hadn't played cricket for four weeks. They'd been two weeks quarantining in India, two weeks or ten days, whatever it was in, in England. They'd played one sort of uh, weekend of cricket against each other uh, where it, it becomes very hard to come into something as big as that and perform. Uh, but in, in terms of if I had to pinpoint a, a point where I felt like India were, went a long way to losing that game, I think it was the uh, start of the second innings when New Zealand put on that partnership of 70 uh, facing the new ball against India. I thought their bowlers were far too short. They bowled a, a line that would have been great, or sorry, a length that would have been great in Australia or back yeah. at home in, in India. They fixed that um, uh, in the, the next morning and then they bowled really well and they, they made New Zealand crumble a little bit towards the end of that, that innings. But I think that was a massive, massive victory for us uh, in, in this game. It's a great point you make, actually, because you know you look at all of this game and it was just so dominated by the ball. And, and I think you're absolutely right that those moments, those hours, you know, we mentioned for New Zealand, the fact that they had that first hour that was pretty disappointing, I think, from a New Zealand perspective when we had the ball. And, and those moments are, are really where teams 
got got ahead in the game by just being able to capitalize on bowlers not doing their job because as soon as the bowlers bowled really well it was it was really tough to bat and on 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 you know all the days even even into day 6 when the sun came out and things it was was tough going yeah it didn't take india long to get it right you know and it didn't take you know the indian bowlers shami in particular i thought bowled really well um after he'd had that kind of struggle first up and i think he almost presented too good a seam mm-hmm. on in that first kind of session. He needed to wobble the seam a little bit more Jimmy Anderson styles. And once I think he got used to that concept, he was a lot more difficult and he was a lot tougher to face. But it just gave New Zealand that much of a head start that they could run down that, that sort of first 70 runs without too much of a stretch. Adam? What do we think about the Indians' game plan in the second innings? We talked a little bit about um, Pants' slightly schizophrenic in, in, innings, but... Did they have the right game plan in that second second innings, India? Sort of, I guess, a relatively pedestrian start from uh, Sharma and Gill. Pajara, you know what you're going to get from him. He's not going to come out and start playing like Bradman, is he? But, uh, yeah, I, I guess what do we think about the way they approach setting up the, the game in that second innings? I think the Indian batsmen in general will will be pretty disappointed if they go back and look at the way that they got out, a lot of them. You know, we, we also said gave credit to New Zealand for the way they worked out a lot of the, you know, they, they worked to plans for, for the batters. But you think about someone like Rahane in that um, in that first innings when he got out, Wagner, he just bowled, the, he was bowling those short balls and he just put a man at square leg and just bowled another one and Rahane's just worked it straight to him. It's those kind of moments that we just, you're giving your wicket away that that was so hard to score on that, that pitch, you just couldn't give your wickets away, and, and they did it too many times. And I guess that's why I was critical of of Punt because I think that he he gave his wicket away. You know, when you look back at that Gabba game and and the the game before that where he played those innings and and he was very aggressive, but he I don't think he overstepped that line of being reckless, and and he did in this game where he was just charging down the wicket, it, and it wasn't charging down the wicket to. Well, it was tra- charging down the wicket to try and change the the batter's the bowler's line, but it was it was just sort of pick a ball. It wasn't. It, it didn't seem like he was had a plan at all. He was just like, okay, it's time to run down the wicket now, and he ran down the wicket and pretty. I don't think he even he maybe hit one. Hit one forward and nothing. Yeah, I mean, let's be um, let's be frank about this. The, the New Zealand bowlers bowled really, really well. They really made that ball talk, and India's game plans tend to focus around being able to score runs with the bat. That is that is where they want to. That is where they want to take charge of the game. They do it with a bit of a bit of what's the word I'm looking for? Panache. Panache. That's how they go ahead and score all their runs. They couldn't do that on that pitch. You don't very you don't very often see Virat Kohli playing and missing. You don't see him getting hit by the ball, which happened in this test. Uh, and going back to Pant. There's a reason that he has such a great average in Australia, and it's because he's got a little bit more of a true bounce. He can play through the line, and that's how he's comfortable playing. He was trying to do the same thing here. and it, Whether it worked or not, whatever, I just think that we can't... We in, India's game plan was based around scoring runs and scoring runs quickly, and that's how it's always been. Mm. Well, one thing I did think that was a, a big positive for them, you know, if we're looking forward to... Uh, the fact that they've got a five-test series coming up against England was was Ash with the way Ashwin bowled. I mean, he was uh, you know obviously a bit biased being an off spinner as well, but I just loved watching him bowl. It made me so nervous in any time, any time he was at the crease because you know 
in conditions that they were they they did become quite use quite uh, quite useful. Yeah, uh, Deja got turned on the last afternoon. They were they were getting a lot of spin at, at the end, and, and Ashwin, but Ashwin just got so many different variations and control, and the way he would you know he can skid it on and then just bowl a huge ripping one. It, it's it's absolutely staggering, and and I think. You know, to have someone like that at the top of their game, he really is at, at the top of his game, it feels like. And to be able to bowl, and, you know, he, he bowled well in Australia, to be able to come in off not a lot of cricket, like you mentioned, and just bowl so well in England conditions, I think it's going to have those English batters pretty concerned. I'm really looking forward to watching him bowl those five tests in England. I, I, know, we're, I know we're going to preview it when we talk about the England series, and I want to talk about it a lot. I think we are going to see just how masterful Ashwin is when we get to those conditions because even in a losing side he looked he looked really really good. I think you hit the nail on the head there. England, the English team should be worried about how Ashwin looked with that ball. The, the England team should be worried about like a third eleven <laughs> bowler at the moment, though, to be honest. And also, uh, Jasper Bumrah looked really menacing. He looks now like someone who has had a bit of a rest and is ready to come charging back in. And once those other bowlers start to uh, figure out. The links and lines they should be bowling. There'll be a hard unit. He was to stop. without luck a little bit, Boomer, in that test. I think he, he he bowled without a little bit of luck. It's funny. Lots of people were saying on. Lots of people were giving him a lot of criticism, certainly on social media. But yeah, I, I agree. I thought he I thought he had us in all sorts of trouble. You know, he just looked to that ball that hit Ross Taylor in the Holy head. Holy smokes! Yeah, I mean that was yeah, rapid, absolutely rapid, guys. We've talked, I think, enough about um, India. Um, not enough about New Zealand, but you know we're never <laughs> going to be able to do that um, today. Um, we are going to come back though and talk about World Test Championship takeaways uh, from the podcast that essentially said that this was a bit of a joke two years ago. We're now dedicating a whole hour to it. We're going to come back and talk about how the next iteration uh, should work as well. Welcome back to the pod. As we said just before the break, uh, two years ago, uh, almost to the day we launched this um, podcast and we talked a bit about the World Test Championship as a little bit of a joke. Um, I think comments from the captains were really cool at the end of this. Uh, Coley, who we know actually has been a really, really big champion of Test cricket over the past three or four years, alluded to the fact that he would have really liked a, a, you know at least a three-match um, series. My immediate thought there was, what happens if someone goes to nil up? Is it, you know, do you just actually call the third game off, and then what do you do to tickets and things like that? Um, Kane Williamson very diplomatically said, "Well, no, we like the occasion of a one-off uh, game, and um, yeah, whilst it would be nice, uh, we'll bask in the glory of being the World Test champions." We also had the change to the point systems. We've got other permutations. We could have semi-finals and finals and all that kind of stuff. I guess one of the limiting factors here as well is where you play the final because you've got to announce where you play it. And then Northern Hemisphere versus Southern Hemisphere makes a difference in terms of, you know, summer seasons and who's going to be um, in that. But what would we like to see for the next iteration? Would we like to see a three-tester? a three tester? I like the idea of a three-test series. And, and, and the fact that we're not 100% sure who is going to be who, who's going to be playing whom in that final uh, is, is is interesting, and I, f- I think that there's some cool things we can do around that. So, for example, that whenever that three test series and that that can be the first round of the next iteration for all the other teams, and they can play each other in a in a three test series each. You know why not? There's some cool things that we can do around that. Uh, but I 100% agree with I think it was Virat Kohli and a lot of the Indians who were saying prior to this match that it should probably be a three test series. Uh, I think that I think that that's right. It, it should be a three-test series uh, because the whole the that's how they've got there playing series. So I have no problem with that being a three-test series. 
I I, bef- I think before the occasion, I, I actually felt the same way as you, and I and I, I mean, I I think the you actually um, touched on a few of the the ways that they could get around it, but I think probably the biggest barrier to it is is the logistics, and if you want to have all these T Twenty tournaments and and all this kind of stuff going on in these windows, because you know I guess if you didn't uh, have all those other teams playing during that time, then actually leaving a month in the calendar that every every single team has to leave that window open because they might be in that final. Mm. Is, and so that's not just inter, no international cricket that time. It's no franchise cricket and, and no nothing. So, you know, the way that cricket is going in the, all year round and there's just no time in the calendar to actually do that. But on the on the occasion side, I, I think that this one-off thing does make it really special and it, and it gave it I think that's kind of what gave it that World Cup final feel that you went into the last day and and went like this kind of you know anyone can kind of win and, and every single moment in that game mattered whereas in a series uh, yes they do matter but it I don't know it um, it we haven't seen the other version so it's it's hard to describe but I think that it, it worked very well as a one-off occasion and, and gave it that extra oomph yeah we, we talked, um, and I think the players talked a little bit as well about where it might be. And Dubai, obviously, with the weather that they get there, um, you know, would give a window to be able to do that. And you'd almost definitely get, um, you know, results in those games there with those wickets. I'm going to throw it back in a slightly different way, though. If we were going to have that three test series or uh, even continuation of this one off series, where would we actually want to see named as the venue for that, Baldy? Come to you first. The holders. The holders get the right to host the next final. That would be that would be my way of doing it. If it, it was going to be a even series, even if they're not in it, even if they're not yeah. in it, yeah. So New Zealand now having won the World Test Championship final, win the right to host the next final at, at Christchurch or the Basin or wherever, or it could be a three-test series. I personally would prefer a one-off test. I feel like that final, even if you like the Champions League that has two leg semis and two leg quarterfinals and rounds of 16, the final is the final. And and the World Cup wouldn't ever be played over a three-match series. So I, I like the idea, the romance of a final, winner take all, if you perform on the day or the five days, you can win the World Test Championship final, even if it means that a slightly superior side like India that have been at the top of their game get knocked off occasionally. And that can happen in a one-off game. You know, it's hard to win um, a final. So how I good, don't mind that. How good would it be if the World Cup one-day final was played over three games? I don't know that it would be that good, actually. See, I, yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it would be better than what it is now. I don't think, I think and I don't, I don't think a, I don't think a three-test series would be demonstrably better than what we saw between India and New Zealand. I was quite happy with the way it, the way it panned the, out. The, the only thing I'd say is I think, and, and look, this is not um, at all a criticism of anyone, but India did, didn't have a build-up for this. You know, th- they came in relatively cold to this. And I know schedules make a big impact. COVID's made a big impact. Yep, that's all true. I, I would have liked to have seen or, or liked to see in the next iteration of this uh, as level a playing field as possible, which is maybe that you get... Um, a couple of countries um, alongside of the two teams that are playing in that and that, that they at least get a test match um, me- leading into the final um, so that you've got a, you know some overs in the legs um, yep. and, and whatnot. Um, Raj, what about you? Where would you like to see the final played? Well, that's where, that's where a bit of a problem comes into it for me. So, for example, like if that game was at the MCG, we would have been looking to book tickets and go over there, but we, we, we can't. You know, we couldn't have done it. We had we would have to quarantine in Melbourne. Um, would we have to quarantine in Melbourne? Probably. 
No, depends what depends what <laughs> depends what week, yeah, what week it is. Depends yeah. what week it is. But yeah, that's my point. Like that, that's the issue is that people can't travel to those places. Oh, for, forget COVID for a minute. This is like you know, dream scenario. Where would you Where would you want to see the World Test Championship? Uh, I like I like it. I'd like it to be at the the prestige ground. So the MCG Lords sort of those are the homes of cricket in you gardens. Know. Yeah. Yeah, I I, th- I I tend to agree that those those big grounds. It's the thing is, it's very it's always going to be very hard to actually find uh, a so called neutral venue because teams all around the world are stronger in their own conditions and they have teams that are built to suit those conditions. So yeah, I, I think you're never going to find a perfect answer. I, qu- I quite liked. I hadn't thought of it before, but I like Baldy's suggestion that you know the hosts or the the winners can then host it because then you can kind of make a thing out of it and and it's you know exciting for you as a country that even you then get to host the the final and and even if you're not in it you can go and kind of celebrate the event i think the one thing i will say about the you know the three test uh, final or, or anything like that i i think the the thing that you kind of have to mentally accept and it you know pains me to say this a little bit but that you kind of have to accept that maybe the best test team over the span of the World Test Championship isn't always going to win the World Test Championship. And I, and I think that's totally fine, personally, because I think the, the two-year window, you're going to end up with two worthy finalists. And so it doesn't really matter to me who wins. I think it's, it's just as exciting to see them play a one-off game and, and who turns up on the day. But, you, you know, I think you do have to decide in your head that one team can go through the World Test Championship and win every single game and then lose that final and, and that to be okay Guys, well look I think that just about wraps up this episode um, of the pod um, massive congratulations to, to you two boys, Raj and Lippy. I, I can see your facial expressions, uh, even Raj cracked a little bit of emotion through uh, the podcast uh, <laughs> And, and look absolutely glorious. If you do want to commemorate the World Test Champions New Zealand, you can buy a pretty cool replica uh, <laughs> shirt with the top order podcast on in uh, Kiwi grey, arcing back to the 1992 World Cup. Just jump on our Facebook if you want to um, place an order for posterity. Um, we are going to hit some interviews up in the feed over the course of the next couple of weeks. Um, Ian O'Brien we spoke to um, from his managed isolation. He's on his way um, back here to coach. Um, so that's a really great listen so listen out in the feed for that we will be back to wrap up England Sri Lanka's one day or white ball series um, going on in England um, at the moment a preview of England India's five test series and a whole heap more cricket coming up find us on www.thetoporderpodcast.com for all your podcast needs but for now it's good night and God bless from all of us here and God defend New Zealand guys world champions <laughs>